So chapter 2 begins with um, introducing us to the Nefesh Hashenis, the second soul that every Jew has. And he starts off and he says, it's Chedek Mimal Mamish, it is a part of God, Mimal, of, you know, from above, Mamish. What does Mamish mean? Literally. It's mamish really means literally. Mamish could also mean physicality. Mamoshush. Or lemashesh means to means to uh, feel, to touch. Mamish, um, in other words, when you want to say something is literal, you go to the point to say that like, you can actually touch it, right? It's something that you could actually touch with your physical senses. So hold on, this this a soul could be touched. So that, that that's how it doesn't mean that it could be touched, but the idea is that this second soul, it's mimal, it's from the loftiest levels it's a part of God however its impact its effect its mandate is in the world of feel and touch in other words th- this type of soul is not meant to just be in this world survive it and go back to its original place the soul comes here into this world to be a part of the world to impact the world and to really manifest in a physical way in other words it's meant to manifest and, and to and to um, how you say to function through the physical body in the physical world. Yeah, well, it that it goes back better, right? It that the, that's not the idea. The idea is that it should impact this world. It happens to be that when it does its job, it gets a it gets an upgrade, right? But the main thing is that it should do its job here in this world. So we explained. So so up until uh, till the middle of the of the. Yeah. So when you, when you talk about this second soul, we're not talking here about life per se. Life you have from the Nefesh Bahamas, from the animating soul. This is the soul that um, that allows for... Th- this is the soul that is the window to God. This is the way God functions in this world. This is the way God is revealed in this world. And when we're talking about ourselves and our own personal lives, this is the soul through which we access the divine. That's, that's the function of the soul. That's the purpose of the soul. That's how we know the soul is doing its thing. So we have to understand what is this soul all about. Before getting into the specific anatomy of each soul, which that's what we're going to be discussing in chapters 3, 4, and 5, um, the first thing we need to understand is this introduction that we have at the very beginning of the chapter that this is a part of God. What does that mean? And how does that play out in the fact that there are millions, billions of souls? Not just here in the world at any given time. But when we talk about the souls, we're referring to the souls that go all the way back to the times of Moses, up until now. So we're talking here about over 3,000 years of Jewish souls coming to this world. And each one is unique and is special, and is different. So how does that all work? How are they all part of God? God is all about unity. And here, when we're talking about millions and trillions of souls, I'm using these rules very liberally, huh? Yeah, there's not trillion, no. How do you know? How do you know there's no trillions? Well, it said there's should be an infinite amount in the world. So today, yeah, today, but back to Moses. All the way time to the times of Moses. Yeah, well, there's 20 million every 40 years. Oh, you think that's how it works? (laughs) That's the most. I have a question for you. If six million Jews were not murdered in the Holocaust, how many Jews would be here today? Another six million. 
Another six million. Each one of those six million, let's say each one we get married to each other is three million couples. Yeah, but I mean, and I'm they would have ten, 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 ten children poten- each. I don't, I'm not talking about potential, Nishama, potential. I actually, actually, actually sat up on Google because I had this discussion with my cousin. We were reading together. Not just about Jews, but how many. So we weren't talking about souls. We were talking about, well, we talking about people okay. since day one. Because let's say there's eight billion people on the planet. Whatever. Yeah. So we did them. So it came out to something like 23 billion total. My friend. Yeah. My friend, let's here, here, let, here, let, let me just say one thing. Anything, any type of study or any type of uh, scientific way of defining how many people ever lived in this world is, um, is not even worth a response. And I'll tell you why. Because all of that is de- de- depends on the data we have available today, right? All, uh, the data we have available today and the way we look at things, etc. The way things were viewed you know, 500 years ago was very different. And we have no idea how many people lived in China and in India and all these places. And, uh, you know, let's put it this way. There were much more than 23 billion people that ever lived on planet Earth. Many, many more than that. So anyway, <laughs> that's like an, I'm not a mathematician and that's not my job. But um, let, it, let it be 23 billion. Let it be. It's fine. But that, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me. Um, but but um, when we're talking about the Jewish people... Fine, let's say it's only 600,000. It doesn't matter, right? The, the fact of the matter is that we're saying they're all a chilek, they kam, imal, mamish, all a part of God. <clears throat> so what does that mean? In, in the, how, how does that play out in the fact that there are so many souls? And what does it mean that they're all a part of God? So we explained. Oh, oh and besides for that, the Alter Rebbe points out that there are many levels in souls. What does that mean? How could you, how could you give a level to a soul? It's very simple. A soul means that it is a, a, a brilliant um, luminary of God, right? <clears throat> the problem is there are people that have souls and you don't see God shining through them. Mm-hmm. And you ask them themselves, they're going to say, oh, I don't believe in God, right? They don't feel they're not in touch with the whole idea, right? So clearly, clearly some, something's, something's wrong, right? You know, people will say, they don't appreciate a piece of kugel. Where's their neshama? Where's their soul? Come on. First of all, it's got nothing to do with food. And second of all, okay, let's say this in a different manner. Oh, this person doesn't want to come to shul on Yom Kippur. Where's his neshama? Where's his soul? It's a good question. Yom Kippur, you don't want to come to shul. So does that mean he doesn't have a soul? Of Of course he has a soul. What happened? Where's the soul? Why is it not doing its thing? So the Alter Rebbe explains that, look, there are many, many different levels in souls. And just like you have in a child that's born, the child has many different parts to his body, from the head to the toenails. Now, the head clearly um, is clearly something that came from the father, right? In the head, you could see that in the, in the child's mannerisms, in, in the wisdom, many times in the way the, the face looks, Right? And all of these things, many times there's, there's, a, there's a clear resemblance to the father, to the origin of the child. In the toenail, yeah, if you take the toenail and you do DNA testing, you'll find the father in there. Mm-hmm. But if, you know, to, without testing, without the lab, you look at the toenail, there's no difference in this toenail and many other toenails. So the toenail doesn't clearly um, project mm-hmm. its connection to its origins. But is the toenail a part of the body? Of course. Of course it's still there. 
So the same thing is true about souls. You have souls that are like heads. Souls that clearly represent and clearly project their connection to God. You have souls that are on a lower level. And then you have souls that are like toenails. That is very, it's very dimmed. Their connection to God is not projected in a very powerful way. Um, so let us continue. Uh, so as it were, uh, let's, uh, I'm sorry. No, nevertheless, let's go to second paragraph. All right, second on the page eight on the right side. We'll go all, all the way to so as it were. So it's at the end of the... So as it were, is it actually true of the root of every nefesh, ruach, and neshama in the community of Israel on high, in descending degree by degree, through the descent of the worlds of Atzilus, Bria, Yetzirah, and Asiya, from his wisdom, blessed be he, as it is written, you have made them all with wisdom. The nefesh, ruach, and neshama of the ignorant and unworthy come into being. All right. So, how is it possible for a toenail to come from the father's brain? It's very simple. After the seed comes to the mother and it goes through gestation, so there's many different, you know, there's a process, and it goes from level to level to level, and in the ninth month, oh, the nails are there, right? That, that's like the furthest level, furthest away from the origin of the child, from the father's brain. Same thing is with God. What's the origin of all souls? The level of Chachma of Atzilus, the world of emanation, and the highest level in the world of emanation is the level of Chachma, wisdom, head, brain, whatever. So this is the origin. This is where all souls come from. However, there's a gestation process when it comes to souls. They can go through the, the world of Atzilus, and then Bria, and then Yetzira, and then Asiya, and in all of these levels, there are many different levels. And if a soul goes through all of these levels and ends up becoming a soul that was created from Malchus of Malchus of Asiya, and in that level itself, the level of Nefesh, which is the lowest level, you're going to have the lowest type of soul possible. You'll have a toenail soul. Right? There are some souls that come directly from Atzilus. They don't go through the process of Bria, Yitzira, Asiya, and all of that. They don't go through that. So therefore, when they come into this world, they're still a product of Atzilus. They didn't go through that process. They didn't go through that uh, dimming down of, of, of the divinity that's possible to be projected from it. But if it goes through all of that process, from one level to the next level, all these downgrades, then you can have a soul that is the product of Malchus, of Malchus, of Asiya, and in that level itself, Nefesh, the lowest of the lowest. It's a possibility. That's what you can say that it's a newer Neshama? Nothing to do with newer. What do you mean new? It's even been through all those stairs. Oh, you're talking about a Neshama of Atzilus. Is that Atzilus, called a new yeah. Neshama? Uh, I don't want to get into that. Let's not get into that. In other words, yes and no. In other words, there are many neshamot souls of Atsilus that are not called nu neshama. Yeah, there are, there are plenty of them. The, the concept of a nu neshama and why that's unique and how that works is a, is a separate conversation. Rabbi, I thought so. Is Atsilus the highest? <coughs> yeah. Korea? I thought we said that Atsilus was like the hallway between God and the world. And then, so I thought Bria was the highest that person could 
attain in terms of a, like a soul coming down. I didn't realize that you could see the Right, good question. So the world of Atzilus, even though it's like this bridge between the divine and the worlds, it's also called a world. That's why it's a bridge. The only way it could be a bridge is because it, it encompasses both, both ideas together. It's transparently divine, but it's still a world. How that works, that's the conversation for thousands of pages of Chassidus. But so that soul that you said, there's... There are souls of Atzilus, yeah. Which means, and they have a pure vision of this light. Yep. That's right. Bridge, the, because that's where God's trying to, that's where he hides him. He hides on the other side of this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're starting to, you're starting to pick up on what we're about to learn. So, so what, what are we saying here? That these, so, so how do we have all different levels of souls? Because there's a, pro, because there is a, how do you say, shalut, there's like this chain of worlds and this process of downgrading the light or hiding the light so that the, the light is dimmer and dimmer and dimmer until you can come to this world where the definition of this world is is that God is completely hidden. That's the definition of world. The word Olam, the word Olam comes is etymologically linked to the word Helem. Helem, which means obstruction. It, it's not there. We can't see it. V'ne'elam, and this person was hidden from, from, from the rest of us, right? So Olam means that God is hidden. How could God all of a sudden be hidden? It's a process. He hides himself in the world of Bria, and then in the world of Yitzira, and then in Asiya. When the soul goes through that process, when it goes through that whole gestation, quote-unquote, then it's possible to become a toenail soul. Never the... I don't huh? think it would be the opposite. Why? Why? I don't understand why we're going through the process to become down at the bottom no again um, do we need toenails yeah when does the toenail come to be no I understand physically yes right. it's so, the end of the, of the process right so this is a this is an analogy for the way it works in the spiritual worlds in other words let's look at the souls the entire all the souls of the Jewish people as part of one body okay. right so it's like God is giving birth to a body, to his bini b'chayri Yisrael, to my firstborn child, the Jewish people. Jewish people. Right? So the Jewish people are like a child, one, one child of God. Now, there's, there's a pro- every part of that child has to, I say, come into being. Has to, you, have the, you have the origin. In Chachma Yilah, in the highest level of Chachma Vatzilus, you have the entire potential for the child, but the child's not there. It's like the father's seed. But some children are born with with this part of the soul, like like the Rebbe. Oh, right. Exactly. Yeah. So some some in other words, but but they're but they're not the whole body. They're not the. Whole, they're not no, the whole body. All of us comprise the entire the body. body. So what we're trying to understand is how is it possible that a part of God should be so dimmed that it's like a toenail? It is, how could it be? The question is how could a part of God be so dimmed? And the answer is. Because in the broader scheme of things, when you look at all of the souls as part of one body, this soul is the toenail. What does that mean? Just like the toenail comes into being after nine months of gestation. In other words, there's a process in order that from that original potential of the seed. The first thing that's created is essentially the head. Right? The first thing that's there is essentially that that's the little bean that's, you know, at the beginning of pregnancy, you know, when, when, when you're becoming a... 
you know, they think what to expect, you know that book, what to expect. So they give you an explanation of what's, what exactly is going on. So the very first thing is, uh, so, and even the Rambam gives a very interesting explanation of what is the very beginning of the, of the, of the production or whatever of the child. It says right away in the beginning, there is, the, the Rambam is discussing um, the laws of ritual impurity that apply if a woman miscarries, a miscarriage. So in the times of the Holy Temple, this was very relevant because it depended if it was a male or a female. It's a whole, a whole discussion. And the Rambam gives some very clear descriptions of what a fetus would look like and how you could tell if it's a male fetus or a female fetus. This is before, uh, what's it called? Uh, ultrasound. Ultrasound, before all of that. And, um, and it describes and it says that at the very, very beginning, you're going to have the head of the child and, and it describes how you're going to be able to tell what's the eyes and what's the mouth. So it's, 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 it gives very, very clear descriptions of that. That means that the head is like from the, from the very first things that are created right in the beginning. So, so getting back to our point here, um, when we talk about the souls, and every soul is a part of God, and we're explaining how is it possible there should be many levels in souls, seemingly a soul is a soul, right? A diamond is a diamond. Even if it's a small little piece of a diamond, it's still a diamond. The answer is, you're right, it's all part of God. However, just like a child comes from that original seed, comes from the father, still in that process, a part of the child could be a toenail, which could be easily you know, cut off and thrown away, and it looks like any other fingernail that's out there, any other toenail that's out there. The same thing is with the, with the Jewish people. How is that possible? Because our souls can go through a downgrading process, a downgrading process, and if, and if we come out at the very bottom, then we're the dimmest possible. So is it God's will? Those of course. God, one second. God, what do we Do we want our children to have toenails? Yeah, we do. Of course, we want them to have toenails, right? So apparently, God wants to have toenails also. It doesn't mean that they're less important. It doesn't well, mean they're less. Like a toenail. Yeah. Welcome, to, you, welcome to the welcome to the club. <laughs> welcome to the club. I mean, I mean you know, it reminds me of cocaine thing in Israel. Like we all have our level in everything. It's not. In, in other words, it's not God judgmental. It's not judgmental. God takes the soul, right, and just says, this is what this is your soul, job. the soul is going in this body. But like Rabbi said last week, tell me if I'm wrong, is that, but even the toenail has the responsibility can do the 613 mitzvahs. Of course. Oh, yeah. It's just at a different, yeah. it's at the toenail level, I guess, instead of that. The, it's the, the toenail level. function. Now, here's the big question. Nevertheless, even though they're like a toenail, let's continue here on the, on the right side, on the bottom, towards the bottom, nevertheless, they remain bound and united with a wonderful and essential unity with their original essence and entity. And what is their original essence and entity? Namely, the extension of Chachmeilah, supernal wisdom. Why? How do you still remain connected to that original, you know, that, that essential, uh, uh, how do you say, the source of all the souls? Inasmuch as the nurture and life of the nefesh, ruach and neshama, of the ignorant. Now, ignorant is going to be like a code word for anyone that feels like a toenail soul. How's that? Let's just put it like that. So, um, <laughs> in as much as the nurture and life of the nefesh, uh, I, the reason I say this is because when it talks about ignorant over here, this could include many brilliant, knowledgeable Jews. putting this out there. In other words, many br brilliant, knowledgeable, observant Jews could fall under the category of ignorant, that he's talking about 
here in Tanya. Anyway, we'll get to that soon. So, uh, inasmuch as the nurture and life of the nefesh, ruach, and neshama of the ignorant are drawn from the nefesh, ruach, and neshama of the saints and sages, the heads of Israel in their generation. The toenail. How does the toenail grow? How does the toenail live? That, that's, what's the sign of life in the toenail? That it grows. That it's continuing to grow. You have to cut, right? You know, you know what he always says in Yiddish? You shave, and it continues growing. That's it. That's what he always says. It. Shaving, and it's still growing. That's how you know you're alive. Your hair is still growing. Your nails are still growing, right? Even those things that you shave off, that you can take off, etc., they're still going to grow. Why? Why is it growing? Because it's connected to the brain, right? The nerve system and stuff like that. When a nail stops growing, you know that it's been disconnected from the brain. There's a problem here, right? So if the nail is still on, as it stops to grow, at a certain point, they might say, we have to take the nail off. Because it's dangerous to have something that's disconnected from the brain to be part of the body, right? So the, even the toenail is connected to the brain. This, the, the, the souls of the ignorant, again, I'm using the term that's being used in the, in, the, in the Tanya, the souls of the ignorant, even though they are toenails, but they are connected, where do they get their nurture from? Where do they get their divine nurture, their divine excitement in Torah mitzvahs from? They get it from the head. Who is the head? You have souls that are heads in the generation. The sages, the saints, these are the heads. Oh. So now here's the question. How do you become a head? There you go. Monica said it. You don't become a head. You don't read more Torah, learn more Torah, and you become a head. No, 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 no. Either you're born a head or you're not a head. So in order to, in order to, um, so, so that's why I'm saying, when ignorant is a code word, and then sage is going to be a code word. What I mean by that, once, the, the previous rabbi, when he was in Poland in the 30s, so there was a, a young fellow, they were making a, a shidduch, they were making a match between this young fellow who was close to the rabbi's family, to another, to another family which came from a different uh, Hasidic dynasty, whatever. So the, the, the previous Rebbe was, taking, this, this man was, I mean, he was a young man, but he was, he was an orphan, he didn't have any parents. Anyway, so um, this other Hasidic Rebbe asked the previous Rebbe, he said, is this fellow, is this guy that I want to take as a, as a son-in-law, is he a Talmud Chacham? Is he a sage? Talmud Chacham? So... Previous episode like this. By us, the term Talmud Chachem means something very different. But in the context that you're talking about, yeah, he's a Talmud Chachem. What was he saying? He said the Talmud Chachem of the second chapter of Tanya, that's not a Talmud Chachem that's based on how many tractates of Talmud he knows and how much Torah he teaches. That's got nothing to do. You're either born ahead or you're not ahead. The same thing with regard to being a toenail. You're born a toenail or not. Now, the toenails, how do they, how are they still connected to their original source? Through the heads in the generation. Through the sages and saints, through the head. So now, let's continue here, and we're going to go more and more, more in depth. This explains the comment of our sages on the verse. 
and to cleave to him. Right? You should cleave to God. I think it's in this week's parsha. Um, to cleave to him. He so how, how could you cleave to God? How could you how could you become part of God? God is fire. You're gonna get burned. You wanna cleave to God? What is it? Alright. You know what the Talmud says? He who cleaves to a scholar of the Torah is deemed by the Torah as if he had become attached to the very Shechina, to God. How do you connect to God? By being connected to the Talmud Chacham. That's what he says. Being connected to the scholar. Why? For through attachment to the scholars, the Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama of the ignorant are bound up and united with their original essence and their root which is in the in, in the supernal wisdom and what is supernal wisdom as Maimonides says he and his wisdom being one and he is the knowledge etc okay so what is the Talmud Chacham what is the scholar the sage that we're talking about over here the head the head of the generation and when the toenail is connected to the head, then you're connected to the original source. I was going to ask, but I answered my own question in my head right now. I said, well, why does the, if the nails are lowest, it could also be connected to the hand, right? But no, but they're all connected to the head. Exactly. It's right, right, right. Oh, very good. Head, Marvin, you brought up a very good point. This, this, uh, this analogy or this association of all the souls of Israel to the concept of a body and telling us that there's heads and there's toenails is actually a very loaded concept. It brings, to, it brings to mind a lot of ideas. One of the things, for example, Marvin mentioned, well, the toenail could be connected to the foot or to the hand. No, it's connected to the original, to the brain. But guess what? The toenail is internally connected and, and, and intertwined with everything else in the body as well. In other words, there's no such thing as that the toenail is only connected to the head, but it has no connection to the hand. So the toenail is going to start politics against the finger and uh, against the liver, right? It doesn't work that way, right? And the liver can start fighting with the lung, and the lung can be against uh, the knee. They're all, they're all part of the same thing, right? Which actually you know, brings to mind the whole idea that when we understand Judaism and, and the Jewish people from this perspective, the whole idea of Ahavas Yisrael, loving our fellow Jew as ourselves, makes a lot more sense. And becomes the only option, right? Because hating a fellow Jew is like the right hand hating the left hand. What are you, what are you doing? But, to, but today we're going to focus on a different concept. Because the first thing we need to understand is, how does this divine soul function in this world as a divine soul? And the, and the answer is, the only way that it can, the only way that it can be nourished, is through its attachment to the head. That's the only way it could be nourished. So then you'll ask, how do I identify the head? How do I identify that? There are so many sages, so many options, right? What's the definition of a head? Or I'll, I'll, I'll explain my, my question. When the toenail, when, when you stub your toe on the couch, who is in pain? The toe is in pain. Where do you feel that pain? Right there. You feel it in the brain. If you don't feel pain from the toe, you know what that means? There's some neurological issue. Right? There's a problem with the nerves. So a healthy person, if they stub their toenail, not even their toe, if something happens, if the toenail gets burned, 
yeah, gets singed. Who feels that pain? The brain feels the pain. The finger doesn't feel the pain. The finger might be affected by it, right? But the thing that you don't feel the pain of the of the toenail in your finger. You feel the pain of your toenail in the head. Yeah. It's like when you put your hand over fire. It mm-hmm. takes a little bit. You don't like immediately. Takes a moment, a right? To go to the brain, to go back, and that's right. when you get burned. the brain, the brain is the one that feels everything that's going on on every part of the body. So, you want to identify the head of the generation. That tzaddik that feels the pain of every single Jew, you found the head. If you can have a tzaddik who is only focused on one community, one type of Jew, whatever, then very wonderful people, and there's a lot to learn from them, and they're doing wonderful work, but it's not a head. It's through them, for example, because we don't know, a lot of us don't know heads. So we have these people, like you say, in one community, and through them, they we study about the head, the heads, what the heads teach you. It's like you breathe over what the heads, right? Everyone knows about the head. Everyone, everyone knows about the head. Everyone knows about the head. What do I mean by that? In other words, when a Jew gets involved in what's going on in Judaism, very quickly, you start to identify which Jewish leader actually does care about every single Jew. It, it, it's, not, it's not even a secret. And everyone will, will acknowledge that. And it's not to put anyone else down. Because as we mentioned, you don't earn the position of head. You're either born a head or you're not born a head. That's it. If you're not born a head, that's not your job. That's not your job to be the head. The problem is when you're not born a head and then you claim to be the head. That's a separate, a separate problem, right? But... The head is the head. And what's most important is, is that the toenail should know who the head is and be connected to the head. So how can you be connected to the head? You know what it means to be connected to a Talmud Chacham, to a real sage, to a real tzaddik? I say, many times people would write to the Rabbi, I want to be connected to you. They would say, do as I suggest. What does the Rabbi suggest? <laughs> Learn Torah, do mitzvahs, spread those teachings, share those teachings with others, right? It's not about paying tribute, uh, how you say, uh, um, paying uh, membership. That, that, that's not the point. That's not the point. When you acknowledge that this is the head and you want to be connected to that, and, that, and that's why hundreds of thousands of Jews would write to the Rebbe. Why did the Rebbe receive so much mail? If you go through the Rebbe's correspondence, you'll find something wild. You have correspondence with great rabbis, with leaders, with... And, and correspondence with the Rebbe's emissaries in all different communities. Fine, that makes sense. You know, the Rebbe's running an organization. But then you have correspondence with simple people. <laughs> simple people writing to the Rebbe that have this problem, that problem, all these different things. And the Rebbe's answering all of them and dealing with all of these problems, all of these questions, etc. Why couldn't he set up a bunch of deputies to go and take care of these issues? But because the head has to feel that pain. I was just reading a book about... Uh, his name was Rabbi Hecht, Rabbi J.J. Hecht. Anyway, he was a very fascinating person. But if you would ask him, all of his fascinating accomplishments only happened because of his connection to the Rebbe. Anyway, in the mid-40s, um, he, was, he was a young man. He was very dedicated to the previous Rebbe. And um, he was, in 1946, approximately, the previous Rebbe went through a, a major health crisis. 
as a result, it was very, very difficult to understand. Literally to understand how the way he spoke. Um, and there were a select few, maybe less than 10 people, that were able to really understand the Rebbe. So what, was, what, what would happen? Um, three or four of these dedicated chassidim, uh, whenever someone would go into the previous Rebbe for a private audience, they would go together with them, and they would like, translate to the person what the Rebbe was saying. This Rabbi Hecht, who was in his mid-20s, was one of these people that were able to understand the previous Rebbe. It was a very fascinating concept. Anyway, so what that meant in a practical sense was that he was able to go in for a private audience with no, with no one coming in with him. In other words, no one had to accompany him when he went for a private mm-hmm. audience. However, one time, the elder chassid who usually would spend the entire, you know, several hours accompanying people to the previous Rebbe, he, for whatever reason, he needed Rabbi Hecht to take his place. He asked him to take his place because he was capable of doing it. Rabbi Hecht spent a few hours accompanying people to the previous Rebbe, and he said he was sick for weeks afterwards. Why? Mm-hmm. Hearing all of the problems that people have, he couldn't handle it. And this was just one night by the Rebbe. He begged other, he begged Rabbi Simpson, he said, don't do this to me again. Like, I can't, I can't handle it. <laughs> when we talk about the Rebbe having private audience from 8 in the evening till 3 in the morning, what do you think was going on inside over there? What do you think was happening in that room? People were just sharing their problems. More and more and more with non-stop. Non-stop. Why? Why can't he set up a bunch of therapists to take all of these people and whatever, and if there's a big issue, they'll come to the Rebbe. No, no, no. Because only the head can feel the pain of the toenail. People don't need answers. People need someone that feels them. And who really feels them? The head. That's why, till today, people go to the oil. They're not looking for answers. They want to be heard. They want to be felt. And they know that the Rebbe hears them and feels them. Why? Because the Rebbe is the head. And the head feels the toenail. And it's not just about being felt and being, you know, taking care of all of the problems in the tzaras. A Jew walked away from the Rebbe felt 10 feet higher. Why? Not because the Rebbe beefed him up, oh, you're a good person, give him a pat on the back. Because all of a sudden the toenail just came face to face with the head. The, the neshama, the soul, the, the divine soul inside just got rejuvenated. Why? Because it just came in touch with the source. It's not about what you heard from the Rebbe. That, that also is important. But it's just that connection, that proximity to the source, that already does wonders. That's why, what do we talk about connecting to the Talmud Chacham? Sending a letter, being in his presence. That's why in the later years, the Rebbe would start this whole idea of giving out dollars. What was the Rebbe doing? What was the purpose of giving out dollars? Oh, it's never said that he wants to make everyone a, 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 a mission to give tzedakah, right? There should be an emissary to give tzedakah. But he couldn't. No. The Rebbe wanted to give everyone a chance to come face to face with him. You should give them a dollar. Split second. Split second. And that's what changes a life. Didn't ask a question, didn't this and that. That is life changing. Why? Because when the toenail comes into, is connected to the head, now the toenail can function more like an ashama, like a soul. So in this generation, Rebbe is, is mm-hmm. still that one. Even of course. His body died, isn't he? That's right. 
That, 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 that's a whole different uh, conversation of how is it that even after the Rebbe passed away, the Rebbe is still the head of the generation and is still functioning in that way, etc. But without getting into the explanation, the, how do you say, the facts on the ground already show this. And this is why the Sunday night classes have been so meaningful to that's, yeah. that's what they're accomplishing. So you're in the Petri dish. You're a proof of concept. I guess so. <laughs> You're a proof of concept. But when he was alive, so when he would go to the hell, did he go to his father? Yeah. Father? yeah. In other words, of course. The same yeah. process because it wasn't, you know, even though he was the Rebbe at the time, while he was alive, people asked him, but he was still the brain, but he was alive, and he, if he had something, if he was some problem or something, he would go to the hell. So you, you bring up a very, very fascinating concept. <clears throat> so it's well known that the Rebbe will go to the oil very often. Um, from 1950 until 1980, it was twice a month. Twice a month. Uh, like clockwork. Literally clockwork. The only, the only time that I've been missed was that I've suffered a massive heart attack on Sum in 1977. From that day until Hanukkah, he wasn't able to go. And it was very painful for them the fact that he was not able to go. But that was the only time period that he missed going to the, to the previous Rebbe's oil. Um, and then in 1985, he started to go very, very often. And that continued. In 1992, almost every day, the Rebbe was going. The Rebbe suffered his stroke at the oil. He was walking out, and that, that's, that's when it happened. The Rebbe was there very, very often. So say, what, what, what's going on over here? Isn't the Rebbe the head? Is it brain to brain? Are we talking oh, about so again, I'm, I'm not going to... Yes, but it's not just about the fact that the Rebbe would actually visit there. Very often when people wrote to the Rebbe, either asking for a blessing or notifying about something, etc. The most quotable quote from the Rebbe, at least in writing, was, Azkir al-Atzir, I will mention this at the, the, at the, at the oil, at my, at my father-in-law's grave. Literally, almost, not every, but if you would have to put percentages, I wouldn't be surprised if 85% of the times that the Rebbe responded to people, this was, if not more, if not more, Azkir al-Atzir, I will mention it there. The Rebbe would go with large sacks of petitions. The Rebbe would go there. Some of them the Rebbe would leave there. Some of them the Rebbe would bring back, whatever it was. And this was actually unique to the Rebbe. We don't find this by other leaders and previous Rebbes that they would go so often and that they would have this, you know, very, very overwhelming and public attachment to, uh, to the oil of a, of, a, of a previous Rebbe. I could have my ideas about it, but well, that's irrelevant. The fact of the matter is that the Rebbe went, and, and not just that, uh, one time, you know, by dollars, someone who was not a Chabad Chassid, he tells the Rebbe that I wrote to you a letter, I asked for a blessing, I didn't get a response. So I think that the Rebbe told him, I responded, I will mention it by my father-in-law's oil. And he wasn't happy with it, this, mm-hmm. this fellow. And the Rebbe was very serious. The Rebbe said, this is the biggest blessing you can get. Don't, don't underestimate it. It's the biggest blessing you can get. Perhaps the Rebbe was teaching us that going to a Rebbe whom you don't necessarily see, it's a real thing. It is a real thing. It's not, it's not a... The fact of the matter is that today, um, you know, I, just even to, my, to myself, 30 years ago, when the situation started, People have to have a lot of faith that the Rebbe continues to, to lead us and to guide us, etc. Right? The big question, why is there no new Rebbe now? Right? I, I have my ideas of what, of what this question really means. But um, 
However, the, the teachings of Chassidus that define what is a Rebbe, starting from this, right, you're either born ahead or you're not. The office of Lubavitcher Rebbe is not an office that has to be filled by someone. You know what I'm saying? It's not the presidency of the United States of America. Mm-hmm. What do you need to be in order to be a president? That's it. A U.S. citizen. That's all you have to be. Born in the U.S. Born in the U.S. Born in the U.S., right? Does that really give you the... I say, everything you need to be the most powerful person in the world? No. Not at all. But... Huh? You, you could be... A, you could be a completely yeah. empty suit and be president, right? As long as you got the, the, the you're on the ballot and you got the votes. That's it. That's all you need. That's not how you become a Lubavitcher Rebbe. And you don't earn the position of Lubavitcher Rebbe. You can't earn that. You can't work towards that. What you're saying, if he you're either born him. that, or you're not born that. And that's it. What's so that? Huh? It took the Rebbe a long time to take his position. Huh? What do you mean that it took the Rebbe a long time? The Rebbe had a schedule. The Rebbe had a schedule. Well, we're saying if he had a child, it doesn't mean that he would. We, we, I, I don't, I don't engage in the what ifs. I said that that's not that's not the question. First of all, it's not about qualifying. Again, either you're born ahead, or you're not. That's it. Just now, I was I was in New York. So Friday night, I walked to 770, there was these two guys, and they, they were having a whole conversation. They asked me this question. Why is there no new Lubavitcher Rebbe? I said, go find one. I don't know. <laughs> oh. who's, who's stopping you? Go find one. What are you looking for exactly? Someone to give you a dollar? No. Looking for someone to give you a blessing? No, go find one. I, why, why are you coming to me with your complaints? Why did you not appoint a Lubavitcher Rebbe? I understand. I'm in charge. You know who appoints a Lubavitcher Rebbe? That's it, God. Why? Because only God can make a head. You say, oh, why can't I see him now? Okay, you have complaints. I also have complaints. I have a lot of questions too, right? But it doesn't take away from certain facts. And the fact of the matter is that the Rebbe is the head of the generation, continues to function as such. And us toenails, we have the ability to connect. So it could be in a generation the position. Brain comes. It's not over. Yeah, when Mashiach will come, Mashiach will be the brain. That's pretty much what the, that's the story. The Rebbe is the final brain before the coming of Mashiach. How do you know? How do you know it? The Rebbe said so. <laughs> yeah, the Rebbe said it. Really? Yeah. The Rebbe said clearly, this is the final generation before the coming of Mashiach. This generation's job is to bring Mashiach. And until Mashiach comes, this generation hasn't done its job. So until you do your job, you don't continue to the next thing. You know when the Rebbe said this? 1951. On the very first day, that when he became Rebbe, his first his first uh, mimer, his first Hasidic discourse, essentially, he said it clearly. He didn't he didn't imply it. He said it. You can hear the tape. It's Rabbi, worth it. how long is a generation? Great question. A generation is as long as the job is is not yet done. <laughs> if the job is not done. The generation continues. You can't, you can't move on to the next generation if the job is not done. Alrighty. With that, we'll conclude for today, and then we'll, we'll continue.